Hello, everybody. This is Alan Fine, and I'm here with uh, Visit Britain's new chairman, Nick Dubois. And we are at uh, Destination Britain, uh, North America, in San Francisco. And we're going to talk about how he's trying to gr continue the positive growth of, of tra travel to Britain by uh, increasing three things, three pillars, which are uh, inclusivity, sustainability, and accessibility. Uh, and also great data. That's what we're going to talk about here on Insider Travel Report. One of the first things I wanted to ask you is um, <clears throat> your team put together some amazing data. And so let's, and I'm going to talk to the rest of your team about specifics, but yeah. just broadly, what are the numbers that really impress you that you're working with? Well, let's be really clear that the post-pandemic recovery in tourism in Britain is being led from North America. I mean, America has not only exceeded uh, our 2019 target for visits, but actually the revenue, the spend, is up phenomenally. And we're forecasting now 6.9 billion uh, from America for, uh, for tourism from uh, America up to 2020, the end of this year, 2023. And, you know, that is significant. Add that to what we're going to be just shy of one billion from Canada. That is why you're leading our post-pandemic recovery of tourism in the United Kingdom. And you said that you uh, were planning to build relationships to drive growth. What did you mean? Okay, look, for us, we know that when we set about our campaigns, which are basically uh, inspiring, we seek to inspire people to come to Britain. And by the way, not just come to London, but come to Britain. Uh, I'm sure we can talk it's One about of the things that we're, we're trying at Insider Travel Port to get everyone to be, go beyond. Well, uh, you, you know, the reality is something like 55% of the people who come from America come to London. That is understandable. It ticks so many boxes. It's got our culture. It's got our heritage. It's got our music. It's got that choice, that diversity that everyone would like to see but actually you've got an awful lot of that in other parts of the country that are often you know less than an hour or two hour away so yes we do want to in, in, encourage more people like that to to come forward but but uh, when we do our campaigns we set out to inspire people to come that's that's key but by building relationships that is relationships with the trade what am I really talking about I'm talking about building at the point where we conferred the uh, the wish to come to the United Kingdom, which is very high in the minds of Americans, into the reality to come now. And that's what, to do that, we need those working relationships with the tour operators and with the travel agents so that we can drive, drive people to make that decision to come now, not later. How much of this huge spurt of growth do you think came from the coronation and Eurovision? Well, look, first of all, um, I'd love to take the credit for all of that. I mean, who wouldn't? They were two amazing occasions. But there's no question there is this still bubbling pent-up demand. Uh, people want to travel. With these huge connections that we have between America and the UK, which, you know, just go back right since well over hundreds of years um, I think it's understandable that people want to come and see us and as I say the trick is to convert that into more coming now that is driving the growth and of course we had the eyes of the world on us um, with the coronation uh, which speaks to our pageantry to our history to something really quite unique that we know is very much in the in the minds of many visitors who come here from North America and then what an amazing contrast 
to show uh, Eurovision, which I don't know how many people have actually seen it. It is this amazing but mad co song contest that takes place with something like 27, 30 countries participating. We had the honor of hosting it in Liverpool, home of music, along with Manchester and Glasgow as well, but a real home for music. We had the honor of hosting it on behalf of Ukraine. And, and we literally went, I think from within less than eight days from a coronation to actually hosting this major event. Draws millions of viewers around the world. It's great marketing. It really helps. Well, you know, it's all in the timing, isn't it? But I, I got to confess, we didn't plan the timing of the coronation or really the timing of Eurovision. Well, let's talk about the marketing you can control. Yeah. So you've got the uh, fake it, fake Brit till you make it. And you also, um, there's another one. Um, Oh yeah, see, see things. Different. See things different. No, so look, the, the the fake Brit till you make it. What are we getting at here? Well, we've talked about the uh, wonderful destinations and the things that you can do and see when you come to Britain. Uh, uh, apart from the obvious cities that we're very familiar with, London uh, and Manchester, to name just two. So what we were introducing is a couple of things: is the diversity across. Um, uh, the UK, both the cultural diversity, the language diversity, it is rich with dialects. So we're inviting people, basically, come and try it out. Yeah, yeah. Try and speak in dialects. That, and and I, honestly, people have been trying it. It's interactive and they were able to go online and they would try it and at the same time we would explore the areas that they were in and that was to whet the appetite to, to come and see us. So I, I like the innovation of it. I can't do many of the dialects myself, <laughs> I have to say so others should try good luck to them and also you mentioned talking about uh, regional territories promoting uh, uh, culture and screen tourism yeah well look I, I I've I've always I think the best way I can say this is I think uh, many of us particularly who work in this amazing industry we've always had this gut instinct haven't we that if something is on television in a film you like or a show you like or it's on the big screen you have this thing I'd love to go there wouldn't you I mean look at how Downton Abbey has done that or Bridgerton has done that so what I think is we'll see in the future you'll see um, you'll see work emanating from us to help inspire people based on Frankly, what I think is becoming the Hollywood outside of Hollywood, uh, the number of films and productions that are made in England with these locations. And guess what, Alan? They're not all in London. They are spread right across the country. Which is good for you. Which is where we want people to go and enjoy, in addition to seeing their favorite cities as well. Now, are you being only reactive in, on screen tourism, or are, is, is Visit Britain actually talking to film companies and saying, hey, we'll give you an incentive. Come here, because it will help tourism. Well, look, when it comes to, first of all the tourism industry I think it um, uh, sorry uh, when it comes to the uh, film industry make no mistake that uh, our ambition started a long time ago to be a film capital we introduced tax incentives going back to uh, I think the previous administration before this one you also said that uh, visit Britain is more than than just a um marketing organization. What did you mean by that? Well, look, um, it's true that most people know Visit Britain as the people who promote the country as a destination of choice to come to, as the destination of choice to come to. But also, our role is we have a statutory responsibility. It's embedded in law 
to advise government on uh, all matters tourism. That I, job I take very seriously. My job is to uh, ensure that the government are fully informed on the impact of policies. And sometimes the reality is that decisions are taken in governments, and I'm sure this is true around the world, where due consideration isn't given to the impact that they can have on the tourism sector. They're made by different departments. Our, our home office that has nothing to do with tourism, they would say, they make the rules on visas. They just hope for the best. Yeah, well, and they kind of make the rules on visas. And sometimes it's very important to make sure the voice of tourism is in those decision-making. And that is our job. That is a key job to do. Those conversations are collaborative. They're constructive. Sometimes they can be quite difficult. But I like what you said is that you're trying to remove barriers. It, it's all about removing barriers that would hold back competitiveness and make the customer journey uh, to come into the country that much smoother. So look, let's look at a success. For example, um, uh, North America, America and Canada, they can come through and use the e-gates. Um, you know, that is something that is, is, is a real, really good thing. The airport welcome is pretty important to people. I understand that. We understand that. Uh, and, and so those, that's a good thing. On the other hand, uh, we have to make sure that we don't introduce policy barriers that kind of hit, hold back perhaps competitive a little bit. We have to be careful, I think, and look carefully at taxes when they're imposed. Of course, governments are going to do that, but it's our job to assess whether that is going to have a significant impact or not. We have to look at the um, how to maintain that competitive airport edge, the uh, welcome at our airports, things like this. They all matter. I want us to be um, creeping up the league, no, rocketing up the league of international competitiveness, moving Britain up so people have more reason to come here. Right. Now let's talk about the three pillars. Um, you were talking about inclusive, sustainable, and accessibility, which is a big market you also mentioned. Yes, well, let's start with accessibility, shall I? Because uh, I think this really is important. And uh, the fact of the matter, this is an area I think that has been overlooked for too long. And in Britain, we've been very uh, much working since I joined Visit England. I'm not saying it's down to me, but since I first joined as chair of Visit England, in actually both promoting, encouraging, and getting people to understand and recognize whilst creating the opportunity for increasing accessibility for those less able to go on holiday, uh, for those to go to areas that sometimes focus on producing the very best experience uh, for, for, for those with impairments. Um, I, I think the reality is, whilst this is the right thing to do, Alan, it's also the sensible thing to do because it's a market opportunity. So how much does this represent? Uh, it's a staggering 15.6 billion pounds. So it's not only doing the right thing, Alan, it's actually doing something that makes business sense as well. And before we talk about the other two pillars, let's talk. Let's shout out to the group that presented this morning. Uh, yes, Wheel on the World. I mean, an extraordinary presentation we saw from them. These are guys who've lived the experience, the CEO, he's in a wheelchair, he's turned real positive action in recognizing the difficulties many accessible people face when they go on holiday. He's turning this into a business that is effectively breaking down those barriers and making accessibility something that becomes the default for holiday providers, and that's a good thing. I mean, that website is like a database for moving forward in this whole whole thing. I mean, it was extraordinary, wasn't it? It was literally the best example he gave, wasn't it? He said how they feed in the data of the width of the doors so that, you, you know, it is accessible for when you actually want to get into the room. Things that it's maybe hard for us to believe that are overlooked. Yes. So, but this 
it goes to inclusivity. Yeah, it does. And I think that, again, Britain is that type of destination and we want to promote that. We want to get, you will have seen we brought delegations over uh, during the summer. We had the LGBT Pride Week in Brighton. Um, and and this, 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 is a, this is an opportunity for us to show what I call is the other side of Britain, the one that perhaps has never been promoted sufficiently in the past. This is where we are. We are both inclusive, we're very diverse, but, but, but above all, I think there is this sense now that, you know, this is not a tick-bocking, tick-spot exercise. This is the right thing to do. And also, may I say, um, with, I think it's 14% of visitors who come from uh, America who identify as LG LGBT, you know, it's a market. <laughs> And then, of course, sustainability. Yeah. Now, I think this is um, a, a, an ever-increasing challenge for us. And I'm pleased with the progress that we're making. Uh, so, for example, when you're coming to buying your products now, there is much more choice out there. Uh, did you know we have 31 uh, Michelin Green Star restaurants? Now, what does that mean? That, that is all about where the food is sourced and its locality and so forth. Did you know you can go by train from London to Edinburgh? all electric building on these routes it's amazing isn't it um the, and we're bringing this into product and rightly bringing into product now one of the things that i think was most creative and 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 people are, are they're 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 problems with it but you're going to work it out is this uh, local visitor economy partnership let's talk yes. about that because that's going to help yeah now look what what it, this is kind of a, a backroom organization that is going to make the front room really important we had these things called destination management organizations Truthfully, after 10 years really of, of kind of basically a lazy assumption existing that, well, do you know, tourism is going to look after itself. Well, it did. We saw growth, but we were losing our edge and not tapping into huge unfulfilled potential because local organizations were not able to market themselves in the way they needed to. These changes are designed to change how they promote their products and their areas more effectively with bigger communications. It means your tour operators, Alan, will have a much more clearer, coherent path of where to go. It's, it almost is less uh, co competition and more cooperation. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's all about collaboration. And COVID taught us that. In an hour of need, people started working together rather than neighbors competing. So, um, where can travel advisors learn more? Well, actually, there's a whole website with the whole report out there. But if you go to visit Britain, you'll see what we're doing very succinctly about the process. 22 LVEPs have been identified now. I think we'll end up, I can't say for certain, around 45 to 50. Do you have, uh, we'll go out to 124,000 travel advisors every day. Do you have a message for them? Well, yeah, let's first of all say thank you for the part you have played in driving this huge post-pandemic recovery uh, uh, in Britain. Look, the fact is, North America is leading the way. America, 6.9 billion is the target for this year. I want to smash that. The only way we can do that is by a close working relationship with you. Our job is to provide you with the product, the backup and the support. We'll do that and continue to work on those trusted relationships, which, by the way, many are evident here at DBNA 23 in San Francisco. And you have one more thing you can teach us the 10 second rule at Starbucks. Right, now this is really important, okay? If you go into your Starbucks, all right, and you're not happy with your coffee, the reason is probably that they have not followed their own rules, which is to make sure the hot steamed milk hits the coffee within 10 seconds. If it's not right, send it back. And you can look that up on Google, it's real. Yeah, it's so real because the chief barista told me this during my time in England, eh? Okay, trust me, it works. Okay. Anyway, thank you for talking to us. It's a pleasure. And this is Alan Fine for Insider Travel Report.